This is part of a series of podcasts talking to people involved in asset-based community development. Dee Brooks is a faculty member of the ABCD Institute and director of the Yido Institute based in Australia. Hi there, Dee. Um, it was great to connect with you a little while ago. We met at the ABCD Festival over in Goa. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in ABCD. It stems, it stems a long way back. I mean, I, I kind of feel like ABCD's been part of my whole life. Um, from my youth work days, which was my, my very early work that, that I loved from when I was with Community Aid Abroad um, doing volunteer work, which is now Oxfam. Um, I, I felt that I didn't have a name for it then, but it was how I kind of always worked. I applied for a position with a centre called the Family Action Centre at the University of Newcastle in Australia. And it was with the Caravan Project and it was a, a team of workers who would outreach uh, into Caravan Park communities in the Hunter Valley. Just before I had gone for that interview, I had uh, been in, in the field of youth work and gone to um, a talk by two guys who um, were talking about this this strength-based thing and talking about assets. Um, so I now, now know them to be um, Jody Kretzman and, and Jim Dears. I got along to this workshop and I went, wow, this, this is how I already work. And this has given me a framework around what I'm already doing with youth work. So then I went for the, this interview at the Family Action Centre and it just felt like a natural fit. It felt like home. From the Family Action Centre, uh, I was there for almost 10 years and it just felt like another natural progression where even the, the directors and, and my supervisors there were saying, you know, Dee, you're doing so much external work now and, and I was pretty much self-generating my own position then doing training and consultancy around ABCD with other organisations and I wasn't on the caravan parks anymore. And it felt like a natural progression and, and, and with their encouragement, um, I thought, right, I will step out into my own consultancy. Um, so I, I met up with Michaela Kennedy, who's in Sydney, and she was already in this organisation, um, which at that time was called Pathways to Leadership, and it was a non-for-profit, there was a very small one, and she had very similar vision that um, she worked very much in the disability sector. Um, so our our values aligned really well around values of inclusion and of um, uh, community building um, and that it was, um, you know, important to know your neighbour and to look at how your skills and abilities could be offered in the community. So it was something we kind of both lived by. It wasn't just a job or work. It was something that was part of our, our everyday lives. So I started working with her and then um, I said to her, would you be up for a name change? And uh, I said, Pathways to Leadership doesn't quite sit well for, for my work and what I do. And she said, yes, she had actually inherited the name as well. And so um, I wanted to acknowledge her German ancestry and the work that she'd done to get Pathways to Leadership where it was. So I put everything from the word inclusion to community to everything I could think of that was our work into Google Translate. 
And when I put the word everyone in, Yida came up. And so I went back to Michaela and one another director we had at the time, and they both said, yep, love it, the Everyone Institute. I know that some sort of that collaboration element is really important to you. I know that you've been using um, other approaches that sit alongside asset-based community development and you've been calling something the ABCD Collab. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it works? ABCD, I started applying and, and training and, and, and mentoring, coaching other people about 20 years ago. About 10 years ago, uh, Mike Green, who was a faculty member who's in Denver in the States, he was doing a tour um, with the Family Action Centre and he told me about this, um, uh, I don't think you could call it model methodology, um, that was coming out of the Bacana Institute and out of some really great thought leaders called The Art of Hosting. And it's the art of hosting um, practices and processes around um, conversations and work that really matter. So I went to the art of, first art of hosting training in Australia, probably about 10 years ago, and I came back and started blending it with ABCD straight away. What I saw was that these uh, art of hosting or what they also call participatory leadership processes and practices are a really effective way to apply ABCD. So I could see that they blended really lovely together and, and in a very, very natural way. You're listening to Richard Holmes in conversation with Dee Brooks. Dee's been reflecting on her practice and how she's been working with organisations and communities on asset-based community development. I started looking at um, what people were asking for in different trainings I did or, or whether it be open workshops or organisational trainings, but what people were asking for more information about. And a lot of the time it was how do we sustain what we're doing? Um, so we've got the, the tools and the strategies. Once we've kind of started with them, how do we encourage buy-in? So it was all those kind of questions people were asking more about. So fast forward a long way. In the last couple of years, I've been doing work in Indonesia um, on behalf of Co-Water in Canada. Um, but in Indonesia with uh, a project called Sile, which is uh, about Islamic leadership and it's with uh, it's supporting Islamic leadership in the Islamic universities. And of course, because there's also a um, language barrier and having to have a translator. So the first year that I was there, everything was translated. Everything took double the time um, because of that. Uh, and and I facilitated or trained most of the two five-day workshops that we did in two different um, areas. So even though they were really great, when I went back the next year, the people had those same questions. You know, they had done some incredible work, um, but also about that sustainability and getting locals, villages to have buy-in and, and what could that look like. So... Before I did the next five-day training in those two locations the last time, um, it was the end of their project as well. And so I thought, well, 
if I'm not going to be able to go back there again under this project, how can I leave them or offer them something that is really robust that they can grab and they can be have a really good framework around anything that they want to do in the future and that I could kind of mentor or support them from distance or by Skype or whatever it might be. So um, we developed this, um, well, it was, it was, it came out of necessity, which is where, you know, quite a lot of the things like this is, uh, is born from. So what, what I did was the first two days with just the university group, the people who were like the field workers or outreach workers, they were the ones who were there for the first two days. There was a couple of real movers and shakers from the villages who were people who had been quite involved for a few years in getting things done who came along. So we had like a core team for that first two days out of five. So in those two days, we went over an intensive revision of ABCD. Um, I had already introduced them to a lot of the art of hosting practices. So we did a revision of them. And then in the second half of the second day, we did what we call a co-design. So I offered them two different frameworks and one is uh, based on Theory U, which is its own massive practice on its own. And the other one is the divergent, emergent, convergent thinking. So we've got these two different, what we use them as, underpinning frameworks with which to hang some community conversations off. So that in that co-design area, what the participants did was, um, and as an example, they did choose differently. In Surabaya, they chose uh, the divergent convergent thinking and we drew that up very big on some paper on the wall that they were able to put the tools on. And in Makasa, they chose Theory U and we drew that up really big on some paper on the wall. So um, let's just stick with one. So say Surabaya, everything that we had discussed or intensively gone over, that was a tool or a strategy that was from ABCD or Art of Hosting, we put on a sticky note. Then with the big divergent convergent thinking drawn up on the wall, I asked all of this core team, there was about 12 of them, I think, um, to put the sticky notes where they thought a flow would work well. Like, would you do check-in first? Yeah, you probably would. Um, would we do some kind of get-to-know-you exercise? Could be head, hand and heart activity? Yes, put that there. Do we need to then move into a conversation of what really matters to people or what brought them here or um, how can we collaborate well in community? Would we do that in a World Cafe style conversation? Let's put that here. So they designed the flow of what two day community conversation would look like. And then each core member put their name under the one that they would facilitate. So then the day three and four, when the community conversation happened, um, <laughs> really interesting actually, um, there was one of them that I sat there for about the first half of the day and it was uh, lunchtime on, on the first day and I went up to one of the uh, new, new facilitators and I said, hey, all these community people have come in. There's about 80 new you know, community members in here. 
does anyone know who the white lady is in the corner just sitting there watching them? Because I actually <laughs> didn't have a role. Um, and that was really interesting to look at. But what I was doing was coaching and mentoring. And what's been one of the most inspiring stories that you've heard through your work? I'll probably stick with, with that one for now, with the Indonesian one, because it was really cool. So to go back this following year, and I've got a photo of it in the, the blog that I've got of the, the collabs, with two ladies standing there holding packets. And what had happened was they had gone and talked to the local villagers um, about, you know, all communities have got strengths and assets. Everyone's got something to offer in a community that was saying, we have nothing, we, we don't have um, a lot here. So when they did the asset mapping and they looked at, well, what have we got a lot of? What have we got a lot of here that um, we can add to, to this asset mapping? One thing that was identified was, um, well, one thing that we've got a lot along the side of the road in this farming community is scraps of carrot and cabbage. Um, and so when they started to look at that as an asset, um, there's a, a wonderful quote. I can't remember what it is exactly now, but it was something like, um, uh, waste is just uh, a resource in the wrong place. And so that's how they looked at it. And so uh, long story short, what they ended up doing in this pokja was creating a social enterprise around this cabbage and carrot scraps. And so they turned them into um, what we call chips, you would call crisps, and they uh, have now uh, packaged them and they uh, sell them and they gave me some to bring back to Australia with me and I've tried them and they were absolutely beautiful, all spiced and everything as well. Uh, and they've, they've turned this, this waste into an asset that it also becomes uh, and an economic asset within this village. What makes you hopeful about the future? Young people. Absolutely. Um, oh, in so many different ways. I just think that they're, they're often overlooked, um, often voiceless, and they've got this incredible knack of watching what's happening in the world and really being able to step up as change makers. Um, and, and as an example, I've got two, uh, well, they're young adult men now, but when they were teenagers and you know, as a parent, we're always worried about young people and, and, and are they going to get into trouble and what's happening in their lives. Um, and they had, the, my two sons had this group of young men, uh, the, their friends, who they had a Facebook inbox message constantly going and they would just talk politics, they would talk philosophy, they would just talk anything and everything. And occasionally they would drop me into the conversation just to ask me a question or a direction or something. They might say, hey, look, we're, we're talking about um, um, socialism 
and um, we're having a debate here on this point and can you point us in the direction and I'd give them a link and say how about here and they go thanks very much mama and they'd eject me from the conversation and so they just kind of dropped me in when I was needed and it gave me the biggest sense of hope that even though I didn't have these face-to-face conversations with them they're having them they're there so young people for me are they're not just the leaders of the future, they're the leaders now. They're already doing some incredible work and um, the more that we can lift and raise their voices, the better. So what advice would you give young people that might be listening to this podcast? Those people that are interested in making social change happen for future generations? Gather your tribe, gather your tribe. Um, whether that be your your tribe of peers that you may already um, talk with or work alongside, but that tribe could also be people who are like-minded and have a vision um, that is similar to yours. Um, that could also be people who are retired. It could be people who are older than you working in the field. It could be part of mentoring younger people than yourself. Um, but that, that gathering your tribe for good work in the world uh, and, and following your instinct. And when you're feeling like, if you feel the rug has been pulled out from under you or you, you're not sure kind of where to go next or you have some confusion, when you've gathered your tribe, you know who you can go to to help you and support you through that. Dee, thanks so much. It's been lovely talking to you. For people that want to know a little bit more about the EDIA Institute, or JEDA as it looks like on the on paper, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about where people can go? Uh, yeah, uh, look we do, we get called Yida, Yada, JEDA, whatever works is fine by us, it's a conversation piece. Um, but you can go to jeder.com.au um, there's a, a lot of information on there at the moment about our organisation. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, yeah, it, it, it's all on there on the website. <laughs>